Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. Willow Walsh. And you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Austin Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good this summer. They're located downtown and online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. So today we're actually going to do something a bit different. Normally we play a couple of stories and have a conversation about what those storytellers experience. But today um, we're doing something different. So Allison, do you want to talk about um, sort of the format of today's show? Sure. Uh, It's still Pride Month and we're very happy to be celebrating that yet. and I was thinking after our last episode with, with Reagan and Liz that it would be fun to take some time to reflect on queer folk in our lives, whether that's people that we know, friends and family, or whether it's um, personalities, uh, authors, musicians, um, creatives who have been a part of our own queer journey Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that it's especially important to do right now I know you and I are saddened I don't even if that's a strong enough word in the wake of the Supreme Court's decisions and I've been thinking too about the uh, Texas Republican platform which um, has a very anti-LGBTQ focus, including stating that homosexuality is an abnormal lifestyle choice. Oh. Um, So I worry Mm -hmm. um, about some of the trends we're seeing in certain places in the country. I know we're not a homogenous country, but I think some of the discrimination that's resurging is certainly troubling um and i feel like in our show we often talk about you know when we listen to a story we're often hearing people really think about the struggles and so sometimes we'll end up at the end of the show being just like uh why is the world so mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. and what can we do about it so we often are coming at just the suffering aspect. And I thought if we took time to honor and appreciate and celebrate the people, the queer folk that have had a positive Mm -hmm. impact in our lives, then we would be having some more positive energy that could help us and others um, as we have to face the suffering because that will always be a part of our experience too. So that was my initial thoughts about the format for today i don't know what you were you were happy to do it why were you happy to do it (laughs) um i don't know i I love doing interviews for for pride month i think it's really fun to talk about our experience even though i i (laughs) reagan's not here today she's normally joining us um but i i think about us as like three queer women and you know our perspective on things but I don't know. It's just fun to hear a little bit from our storytellers and also from, you know, each other about how, how we've sort of been shaped in this role, I guess, as queer people. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a first person that you want to shout out about? Um, I mean, we could even, we could think about it chronologically if that's kind of useful, you know, like, is there a first person that was in your life, again, whether like you knew them or it was somebody that you encountered through media in some sense yeah. that was instrumental for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting to think about, especially as I think like earlier on. I mean, when I grew up, it was sort of between Valparaiso and Laporte. And I remember not really seeing very many like queer role models or queer anybody, really. I mean, I'm sure there were. It would just. <laughs> Like we weren't talking about it and it wasn't, a, you know, an explicit pride thing. So I don't know. I mean, I remember my first 
Oh, my, fr oh, I, I, why didn't I even think about this? Um, I don't know if you know uh, Mary Reedy. She's, mm -hmm. uh, she's a fantastic lady. She works over at Starbucks at um, one year at Target. But her partner, Carol, um, was a journalist at the Post Tribune for many, many years. And she was like best friends with my dad. And like, you know, their partners, Carol and Mary. So Carol's a lesbian. And I remember like, because I would spend every other weekend with my dad in Valparaiso. And I remember crying if he told me that Carol wasn't coming or we weren't going to go do something <laughs> with Carol. And I remember being so excited to see her. But, you know, it's so interesting. You know, my dad's this, like, NPR-leaning progressive, but we didn't explicitly talk about, like, Carol's queerness, which I think is interesting and I think would have been... I don't know, helpful for me, like, you know, early on, but... Did you understand that aspect of, of who she was? I didn't at all. Okay, no. you just you just had some sort of, like, connection or enjoyed her. Yeah. But mm -hmm. you didn't know that it yeah. was related to that or... Okay. Yeah, and so I think what it would, like, what... How would it have been different, you know, to learn that, you know, it's like, or to know that, like, oh, Carol's a lesbian. And, like, how that would have early on shaped my opinion of, like, what gay people are and who they are yeah, and, yeah. you know, what they're not. But I don't know. What about you? Well, I, you know, when we talked two weeks ago, when we recorded our last show, um, I was saying in high school that, like, I didn't also did not have any queer role models, mm -hmm. like, now I have, you know, there are some of my friends that I hung out with in high school who have also come out. So like looking back in hindsight, I guess I'm like, oh, that wasn't a surprise. But but I, I don't know, at the same time it, it is because it just, in Decatur, Illinois, which is where I grew <laughs> up in the middle of, of Illinois, it wasn't a reality. I mean, I, so there were definitely queer students. I'm sure of it. Well, I guess, and looking back, I, like, was I a queer student, even though mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. know it? Like, mm -hmm. that's an interesting thing to think about. Like, were they queer at the time if they weren't <laughs> dating men, men dating men, women dating men? I don't know how to answer that question. Um, but yeah, the, there, I don't know, like, when were the first TV shows? Like, everybody talks about Will and Grace, mm -hmm. right? Was that yeah. the first one? I don't know. And that was definitely after my high school years. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, definitely after my high school years. Mm -hmm. So I think the larger cultural awakening, certainly to get to, you know, a small city in the middle of the middle of the Midwest, um, it didn't, it was not on my radar. So when I think about, like, the first, person who played some kind of role in my journey it, uh, was at Valparaiso University and um, his name was Tim and he was my like really good friend's roommate so my good friend was Mike and then Tim was his roommate and I can't remember if he came out first year or second year um, and I mean I like the idea of somebody coming again, like it was a totally new thing to mm -hmm. me. So, um, I, I can't actually remember how I navigated that. Like if I had some kind of, um, you know, reaction, I, I'm assuming with my upbringing that there must've been some kind of conditioning that would have been like, Oh, that's weird or something like that. But I do remember that for my friend, Mike, it was a kind of natural, um, uh, like a celebration acceptance of his mm -hmm. roommate. And that seemed important to me watching that. Um, and then it must've been Tim that would have been my, um, at, at like access to, it was called gala at the time, um, as opposed to Alliance, which is what the LGBTQ group is now called at the university. Um, and I, it was my, I believe it was my senior year. It could have been my junior year, um, when they s did a sit in outside of Kretzmann, which is the administrative hall for those people that don't know the university. Um, and it had to have been Tim that is the channel through which that I came to know about that. And I remember participating in the sit in, um, mostly because it was like a political thing that mm -hmm. my friends were doing that I wanted to be a part of as well. I had some sense of the 
injustice that was underlying it because it was a an attempt by gala to become a student senate recognized mm-hmm. organization which um was essentially recognition by the university that there were gay students <laughs> on campus that needed and deserved support like financial support from student senate um so i know i had some kind of like awareness of the injustice that underlied that and i think that always compelled me whatever the um injustice was i don't know that i like again at that point i didn't have a sense of myself um as as that was an option for me to even imagine myself into um like being in a relationship with a woman it was not not on my radar at all at that point so um he was like the first person i think of that i would just be grateful to because it it took a lot i think for him Mm-hmm. to come out because you know this is 1990 yeah. maybe 1991 and you're at a university that's not even recognizing that there are gay students on campus and that doesn't want to support them because they think homosexuality is a sin so um for him to have that courage uh yeah i'm just really grateful that i got to see that and witness that um yeah. So what about a first person, you know, that stands out either like who's your first, yeah. I don't know, gay friend or mentor <laughs> or. Um, God, I mean, it's just it's so interesting that it just like pre-college, it feels like I had mentors. It just. I don't know, like my involvement with the queer community or like acknowledgement of it was so like I don't know like surface level and you know it's like you like wanting to get involved with like protests and things and I remember even thinking to myself like oh yeah that's what the gays need like a street person on their side to like advocate for that which yes we do need that (laughs) (laughs) but that's not me um but I don't know. I just honestly, it's so interesting. Like, I feel like I had, I mean, of course, for me, yeah, like Will and Grace, that was on like reruns maybe at night, but it's like, that's not something I understood. I mean, I think mostly I understood like queerness, not even through like women's queerness. I think it was mostly through men's queerness that you would see in the media and have a sort of understanding of. And it's always with this sort of like stereotype of like flamboyancy or femininity. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's what I would always think of. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, I mean, like she was also on. And then I think that also shaped my understanding of like what it means to be a queer woman. Because I just... I think by seeing her, you sort of assume that being a queer woman sort of comes naturally with a sort of, I don't know, like gender androgyny Mm. type of like masculinity aspect. And so it's like if you weren't drawn visually to like representing yourself and your identity in that sort of masculine way that you didn't sort of fit within that, you know, it's like. I don't know. It's so interesting. And I, and I remember in college reading um, an article about how we think about like visuals of gay women and how like oftentimes when you think of like, oh, like think of a gay woman, you're sort of picturing like a sort of like short hair, butch, <laughs> like lesbian. Right. But that's all. But so interestingly, yeah. even though that's sort of your first mental image, that's oftentimes not what you're actually seeing, like on the L word or something. You know, yeah, it's like. Yeah. I haven't seen all of that show, but from what I've heard, it's like even like the quote unquote butch woman in that show, which I don't think they're talking about Shane. I think they're talking about somebody else, but it's like it was still really feminine presenting and was like had a lot of like feminine aspects. So it's like that's that's not even sort of the picture that you get in media. But I don't know. It's just I mean, for me, it's like I wasn't my queer identity wasn't so much shaped by individual people. I think it was sort Mm -hmm. of. I don't know it was sort of over time like I remember being like really into like female actors <laughs> and that like never really clicked in my brain it's like hmm, why are we doing that um but like I don't know I sort of really rack my brain to think around like individuals because I think for me what 
became more of a sort of, I don't know, guiding path for me to understand my queer identity and where I sort of fit in the community is like after I came out and then after I started to sort of ascribe to my identity a lot more and be more I don't know, like identify more as queer than I became, then then it's a lot more easy to see all the queer people out there, I yeah. think, after that. Well, that's important, I think, just to name. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I wonder how many others that would be true for, or if uh, the upcoming generations will have a different, that's have true. had, yeah, yeah, have had a different experience. It's kind of hard to know what's going to happen now in American culture. I can't tell if we're going to divide into two different Americas or yeah. if the culture wars will continue to kind of rage nationally or not. But uh, this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio on WVLP 103.1 FM and streaming online at WVLP.org. Um, and, uh, we are listener supported radio, so we will happily, um, ask you to support this program and other programs on WVLP by going to the website and clicking that support button, which you can find by going to WVLP.org backslash support. So it's just me and Willow today, Intimate, and we are, um, celebrating, continuing to celebrate Pride Month and thinking about um, those formative people or groups um, in our lives that had a role in shaping our own uh, queer identity just as a way to be grateful for the um, forerunners in our lives. So let's shift, you know, to thinking then about... um, once you were out, uh, some of the people that played a role for you. I guess for myself, there's one other person that I wanted to name, um, which would have been, I don't know, it's interesting. So her name's Allison as well. (laughs) (laughs) And I mentioned her in our previous show because she was the person I met when I was at Holden Village, which is a small, like, um, Lutheran retreat center in the Cascade Mountains and the staff there get to know each other pretty well like in the summer we host up to 500 people so staff kind of come and go long term short term but if you stay through the winter then you get to know people a little bit more and anyway this is the first summer I was there and Allison um I don't even remember how we first connected um she was a musician. She was just super cool. She worked in the kitchen, which is where I started working. She probably was one of the first people that I really engaged with, interacted with. And, um, yeah, I don't even remember if she came out to me or if she was just out and I I knew she was gay. I have this memory of us walking. Um, and I don't even think we were talking about sexuality at that point, but I did know that she was a lesbian. That's how she identified. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, was struck by how much we had in common. So again, we weren't even talking about sexuality or relationships necessarily. I think it was like reading, writing, music, um, thinking deeply, (laughs) reflecting on the meaning of life. And so it was, even though I, you know, I had known Tim in college and I think maybe either because he was male I don't know if that played a role or because it wasn't really like a close friend of mine. Um, like it felt like he was a person that I wanted to support, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. whereas yeah. Allison, I was just like, this is a person I want to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like it really came clear to me, a hundred percent clear to me that gay people were human beings. <laughs> there was nothing different mm-hmm. about them, like essentially different mm-hmm. about them. Um, and so I'm really grateful to Allison too, cause she was very, uh, like open. Um, I don't even remember if we ever had a conversation about sexual orientation or anything like that, but, um, she, was willing to befriend me, which is something for the short-term, long-term staff differences that doesn't always happen at retreat centers. Um, and just showed me not, not even intentionally, but just was for me like herself and for me to connect with somebody, um, who was also queer identified. Uh, I just think that 
like again, I, I was dating um, a man at the time who then became my partner for 18 years. So I wasn't thinking for myself, so to speak, but I do believe that that sense of um, camaraderie, similarity between our personalities mm -hmm. probably allowed me to, even then, if I wasn't, though I wasn't thinking about it, to have a a larger sense of who I could be so that when the time came, it was simply, you know, sort of more available mm -hmm. to me. So anyway, that's like still pre coming out, I suppose, <laughs> but you jump, you jump to post coming out. Cause I'm curious for you. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I guess, I guess there, there were a couple of things like right before I came out, like I remember having um, a math teacher that was very, I don't know, masculine sort of presenting, and she seemed gay, but she she never came out. She never, I mean, I don't know if she was out. I was a, you know, high school student, you know, but, you know, I just think about like, you know, if it would have been important to me to know that for sure she was out, like if that would have changed something for me and like, what does it mean to feel like, you know, you know, are we supported enough in this community to mm -hmm. feel like we can come out in the spaces where we work? Cause I know a lot of queer and trans folk that don't feel that way in the places yeah. that they yeah. work. And, you know, and so what does it mean to sort of be more supportive in those spaces to allow people to be out, to allow the people that they interact with to feel comfortable being out, mm -hmm. you know? But, and then also my friend Mackenzie, actually, I don't know why she didn't come to mind, but she, um, I hated taking the bus, even though I was the last bus stop every morning. So it was like the latest bus you could get. And it actually picked me up right outside of my house. So there's no excuse for me missing the bus every day like I did. <laughs> but um, I did. And um, I remember I'd have to walk over to Mackenzie's house every day. She lived like, I don't know like 10 blocks away or so and so I'd have to walk over to her house and um to get a ride to school and um she would so we started doing that in the morning we would just go to school every day and then sometimes we'd cut first hour go get some coffee go to school and then I started meeting up with her after school and so then we just it became like Mackenzie takes me to school and then drives Sama and me home from school, my friends. <laughs> but she was every day had this like FaceTime conversation with this this girl that she had met at um, I think it was like a key club thing in Indianapolis. And she like FaceTimed her every day. And, you know, my brain is like, oh, they must be such good friends. <laughs> um and no, that was not the case. They, they, she came out to me and she was like, oh, I'm dating this person. And they went to prom together, which is like so nice. Like Mackenzie is like a, like a quiet, funny person, but she's, you know, not one to have all eyes on her. So mm -hmm. her decision to go to prom with yeah, another yeah. woman was like, that was really great for me. And they didn't have any bad experiences. I know her parents were really, you know, scared right. that something mm -hmm. was going to happen, but and so, but I remember during all this, after Mackenzie had come out and we would drive to school in the morning, I would tell her about like, I, I don't know, like some, something that Mary McDonnell had done. She's the president in Battlestar Galactica, like that actor had done. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> like I would just talk about women a lot. And I remember at one point Mackenzie was like, are you sure you're not gay? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but so it's like, so there's a little bit of that. And then like, I remember when I came out, the first person I came out to was my boyfriend at the time who like, that's like really a name only. Like I didn't <laughs> let him touch me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but like, I was like, Hey Brian, let's like go get chicken nuggets or something. <laughs> and he picked me up in the car and I was like, I have something to tell you. And I told him that I was gay and he was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> Cause he, he's like, I'm gay too. <laughs> so, so it's like, so we had that experience, which was really nice. And so I think from there, I mean, I think at that point that was like my senior year in high school. So I considered myself bisexual, which I don't know, I guess I sort of think of myself as that today too, though I would normally just say lesbian. Yeah. Um, but and then I started working at Starbucks, which in my mind was like a, a more queer friendly place to work but I wasn't thinking about like my experience as a queer person or like being out I just remember thinking like oh Starbucks is frequently in the news for being progressive yeah um so yeah so I started working there and then I remember somebody saying that like 
this the girl Erica that worked there was was a lesbian and then I don't know why like something sort of like kicked in for me and then I sort of like hitting on Erica for like (laughs) a whole year before she agreed to go out with me um but so I think what's really interesting is that like from that point it's like there were sort of like queer people like in my circle before realizing my gay identity but they like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like consciously informing how I think about my queer identity obviously because I didn't come out as queer yet but it wasn't it didn't leave this huge impression about what it meant to be near a queer person until I came out and then I realized how important it is to see those other people you know in your workplace in your community and like the spaces around you like what does it mean to see those people and I was just watching like the Netflix special last night about like it's like the the standout comedy special do you know what i'm talking about no, it's like no. the, it's like queer comedy special so they brought out a bunch of like queer actors and comedians yeah. to do this like big comedy special and it's on netflix and you should watch it it's really cool um but it's like that so i don't know so part of my queer identity is really identifying these other people and so i think like i don't know so i always know who's gay now i don't know it's like sarah mm-hmm. paulson's gay like i who else is gay i know that um Oh, what's your name? Natasha Leone. I know she's not gay, even though people think she is. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like I, I, I'm very conscious about, like, you know, seeing those people nowadays and, and sort of what that means to me. I don't know. As I was sort of a, a, a budding queer thinking about my identity. Yeah, I think especially given that both of us had this experience growing up of not having models, not having even people being out around us, not, not, not explicitly wanting to be models, but just being themselves. Um, like it becomes a lot more important to have the, like our awareness of how normal, I even hate saying that, Mm -hmm. um, like it really is, um, I mean, everybody knows somebody in the LGBTQIA plus community, Mm -hmm. even if they don't know that they know it. Mm -hmm. And so I I think the freedom that we have had in America um, recently for the celebration of queer folk at all levels of life, um, from media to politics to just regular career occupations to teachers, to friends, family, um, is like really important part of our undoing. I think maybe some of, uh, no, that would be, I was going to say trauma, but that might be too strong of a word, Mm -hmm. like not having models. Mm -hmm. Is that trauma? Probably not. But I think there's something tragic about it that your own sense of yourself might be delayed in some way mm-hmm. because you didn't have models around you um that could i mean because it's not like sexual orientation is the only or most important part of identity but if it's not opened up <laughs> and that's really critical for you to fully flourish in this world then to have that shut down by not having models is definitely tragic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is WVLP, LP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio, also streaming live from WVLP.org. We rely on donations from individuals, businesses, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing, volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. Please consider supporting the station by visiting our website, wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax deductible, and we would sure appreciate it. I should also say, if anybody wants to become an additional underwriter of Listen Up, oh, yeah. um, please let us know. You can join the ranks of Asana Yoga, Roots Market Cafe, and mm-hmm. the Maracnas. Um, we would love to have you directly support our show, too. So today it's me and Willow, um, and we have been um, following up on our previous recorded episode for Pride, and today Willow and I are thinking about those individuals, maybe, or groups, I don't know if there's groups, um, 
that have played a role in our own uh, awareness of the queer community and our own queer identity. Um, you had you had just said that um, you know as you came out um, or right before you came out, like the queer people that you were getting to know didn't necessarily immediately illuminate for you that you yourself were queer. Like Mm -hmm. you were still kind of figuring that out. And I just, that resonated for me too, because Holden Village was a great place for for queer women, especially at least when I was there. I don't know if it's still (laughs) the the case, but um, there was one uh, couple in the kitchen and their, their relationship was fraught. It wasn't easy. There's like an age difference. I think somebody was still married. I think one person was out, the other wasn't. So it's, you know, it's not like it was like smooth sailing, yeah. but like, I loved seeing them together. It was so <laughs> fun. And that is, uh, Holden is also where I met uh, Paula and Sarah um, who ended up being a couple. And then the three of us imagined like, what would it be like to start our own intentional community once we leave, um, Holden village. So, you know, that's, that's what we did. And, and Paula is, um, I don't know, she's like a soulmate of some sort. Like usually people use that term for romantic connection, and we've never had that, but like the intimacy that we actually do have as friends, um, like it's not that we didn't have rough patches either, because we certainly did. And there was a time when we were really not in touch so much, but um, we've been back in each other's lives now for, I don't know, 10 plus years. And um, I couldn't really live life as well without Paula. Um, and Sarah was very dear to me too, but when they, when they ended up splitting, which, which happened quite a bit later, um, it wasn't an easy split for them. And, um, Sarah's not as communicative (laughs) as Paula is. So I've stayed, I've stayed in touch with Paula, but, but to, um, like Paula was the first of those two that I met at Holden and we became like sweet mates in the chalet that we ended up staying in for the winter community. Um, and I don't know, she, I think she considers herself lesbian now, but like you were saying, it's kind of like that. Sometimes I think for women that feels like you can't quite say that if you know, you're still attracted to men or find men attractive, or maybe it's not even just men. Maybe it's just like, you know, that you're, aesthetic appreciation is broader than just (laughs) female identified. Um, anyway, so she was uh, very happy to like share stories about her previous relationships. And then I got to see her and Sarah fall in love. And I think that was really important too, because, you know, so Alison Pryor had been like my complete awareness of queer folk as just no different than anyone Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And then seeing Sarah and Paula fall in love, it was like a kind of uh, echo of that or an expansion of that. Like queer love is not really any different <laughs> than straight love. Um, I mean, there might be different features to it, uh, especially because it's often mm, looked down on or denigrated. So I think that adds texture to mm. queer love that probably isn't in straight love, but um the things that I celebrated noticing about their falling in love were very, I think, kind of typical romantic, uh, stuff. So, um, yeah, but then the, um, Paula had a really good friend, Michelle, who I got to know a little bit more when we all moved to New York and, uh, she was what she would call herself a lipstick lesbian. So that's kind of when mm-hmm. I started, like, I think I picked up stone butch blues at that point. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's like kind of this classic, uh, fiction. It's, I don't know if it's like really good fiction actually, <laughs> but it's like so important to the queer community, especially like, I think that the time it was written, it was so innovative and daring. Um, but that book lays out, it actually probably would be interesting to critique in some sense now, cause it lays out gender stereotypes very strongly for mm-hmm. the queer, for the lesbian community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like Paula, Sarah, uh, Michelle, and then Michelle's um, 
I don't know what they would have called each other, lover at the time, Stacy, and I met and lived with in different configurations with them in New York. And Stacy was like the first sort of non-gender binary person that I really met in that, um, in the LGBTQ plus community. So just really the four of them expanding my sense of the rainbow, I suppose. Um, and again, like I was, I was with Kevin at the time, my partner. So I wasn't really thinking about, um, my own sexual orientation, except this is also when I started reading Starhawk, who's Wiccan for those folks that don't know. And and the Wiccan community is, I think, always broadly embraced LGBTQ. I, I mean, I don't even think, I think for the, for the Wiccan community, like sexuality has always exceeded sort of um, normative categories. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if you need to say that they support it. I think they just always have had, yeah, yeah. and it's been um, integral and part of their community um, and self-understanding. And I also started reading Mary Daly, who's uh, started out as a Catholic theologian and then became a radical feminist who rejected the church and then rejected Christianity <laughs> as a patriarchal religion. And she did this whole, uh, like her radical feminist theology um, is, is all lesbian you know, and so there was this awareness of a spirituality and a politics, both of which I was very interested in that I think, I can't remember if we talked about this two weeks ago or not, but like really, um, there was a sense that I needed to be that. (laughs) So I was probably some of the things people hate about like woke culture, you know, like a sense of like, you ought to be something in order to be long to that community. And I mean, it wasn't happening. Like people from the outside weren't pressuring me except in so far as a, an author like Mary Daly can pressure you, which I think, I mean, that can happen as mm-hmm. you read somebody's work, you feel like they're talking directly to you. Um, and I, so I, I, I think that there was a sense then in which I began to think of myself, I don't, we didn't have the use of the word queer yet then. This would have been in the mid nineties. So, um, uh, like I began to, I don't know, like it was, it was all conceptual. So it feels a little bit strange, but I, I wonder if for how many people it starts out as an idea that they try on before it becomes a reality, especially living in a homophobic society. Um, what, what about you? Did you have authors, um, or like when you think about people who, once you were with Erica and started to become more aware of queer folk in like whether it's public life or media like that played a a role for you yeah I mean I think I'm trying to think of like somebody besides you (laughs) well you could talk about that I mean yeah yeah no I'm just like I mean I really think it was like you were like the main queer contact person I had, like, aside from like queer, like friends in college. I mean, I think it meant a lot to me to see like a successful queer woman, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody that's like not in their 20s. And that's not like, you know, it's like it. It I think college, in my experience, a lot of people came out in college And I think, like, you know, it can be really freeing, and it's, like, sort of understanding yourself, but I think that's, it can be sort of, like, worrying that it's sort of, like, a fleeting thing, Uh, and, like, um, uh, like a, I don't know, like a youth culture thing, or, like, a phase type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think it feels really validating to see people sort of above you that are queer, that are, you know, doing their thing. And I remember... You know, I've already talked about on the show, like, meeting you for the first time and, I don't know, talking to you. And I remember, though, the first time that I got to meet Liz. And um, this was, like, our conversation in Gary at, it was at a hmm. church. It was, like, it was a facilitated conversation. And you called me an embedded facilitator. And I knew that I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I was excited for it. But um, I remember meeting Liz for the first time. And then... <laughs> 
making a lot of assumptions about you guys like I think for, for like for me I was like I was like seeing you with the short hair and I was like trying to understand like who you were and then like meeting Liz and I'm like this is all coming together for me now <laughs> you know like I feel like when you meet a queer person's partner you can just like I don't know for me it's like it becomes more real you're like now I see the dynamic now it's like huh. you know <laughs> That's funny. Do you think you're bringing like gender stuff into? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. (laughs) But I think it's interesting too because it's like I don't feel like I sort of, I don't know, fall along those lines. I don't know. It's so interesting to me. Like I think it's really easy to like obviously make assumptions, like gender assumptions about people. But I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like I don't even know how Erica and I really fit into that either. It's like. Right. Like, I I wouldn't say that you did necessarily, but I think that it's so automatic. Like, it maybe, uh, I mean, we have to use the term gender because we typically, we live in a heteronormative society. Yeah. So we always think of a couple as male and female. Mm-hmm. And even if um, we've done a lot of work to sort of reject heteronormativity, it's like that conditioning is so strong mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be kind of the first way that we try to understand a couple together uh-huh. um, even if it's not appropriate like it doesn't fit it doesn't yeah. match yeah or, but it's yeah it's just so prevalent in yeah. our consciousness so should we research on that i want to know more i'm about sure that. there is i'm sure there is. <laughs> you go find it you're a good researcher <laughs> you can report back next time <laughs> but yeah i mean i just I, I don't know. I just remember seeing you both. And that was just, it was nice. Because I think beforehand, like, my queer experiences with people was always, like, on an individual basis. And so, like, I think with both of you being on the Welcome Project, like, getting to see you both together, it was just like, you know, it's like, this is this is a queer couple. I didn't, like, spend a lot of time with other queer couples before. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of cool to sort of, like, visualize, like, well, you know, what does this look like? What Like, what is this? You know, at the time, you know, I had started dating Erica when I was, like, I think right before I turned 19. Yeah, so I was still 18. And, you know, so this was probably, like, a couple of years in two three years in type of thing so you know so it's like I was just sort of navigating what that was like for me but I think it was really important to see sort of you both even though I don't know you guys are always so professional together (laughs) (laughs) that is true I mean inappropriate probably yeah yeah uh Yeah. (laughs) but it's funny to remember back that far because you know we didn't know each other you and I didn't know each other that well then yet like you'd been probably in one maybe two classes and started you if you were on that facilitated trip with us then you must have been an intern um but so to try to remember back to like the the limited information you had about me Mm -hmm. and about my life and Mm -hmm. then to see that expand that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense actually Mm -hmm. and it's um I'm glad that you brought that up because I forget from my side that it can be really important for students um, that there are queer faculty. And I mean, I know that's, I know it's important intellectually because we say that a lot and we hear our students of color say that about faculty of color, et cetera, et cetera. So I know, again, intellectually or conceptually that it's important, but I'm just me. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I don't really think about it as like actuality, like, oh, I could be a role model for somebody or maybe not even just not even a role model, but just like a reality that they could imagine themselves, one of many that they could imagine themselves towards. So um, this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte and Willow Walsh. And this is 103.1 FM WVLP community supported radio. Today we are celebrating pride by remembering and being grateful for people that have played a role in helping us um, with our own queer identity or just appreciating the queer community more broadly. Um, Your story about me as a teacher is also making me think back to when I first started teaching at Valpo and I was still with my male partner at the time. Um, 
but somebody in the English department thought that I should be an advisor to Alliance. I have no idea why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I became the, the female identified advisor to Alliance. Um, and they were very small at the time when I, when I came in, I think there were like three regular, Mm. um, members, which meant they were also the board members. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you got. Um, and it just was, uh, I mean, I kind of, I'm trying to remember now so long ago, um, I know I thought of myself as an ally, and so I felt like it was very appropriate for me to be their advisor. I had so many queer friends, people who I would even call family in my life, that it wasn't even a question for me about whether I should be an advisor. Um, uh, Yeah, so, and then to try to help them, listen to them, figure out, like, do they want to grow as an organization? Are they happy with where they're at? Like, just doing the the small, like, things that they did, like um, decorating uh, windows for homecoming or something like that. But one of the students, um, Nathaniel, um, he was a philosophy major as well. And I'm bringing that up because he would start to come to my office hours and students actually don't use office hours very much unless you require them to do it for something in a class. Like then they have to sign up for times, et cetera, et cetera. But Nathaniel just started showing up and like he would stay for like 30 minutes and then 45 minutes and then an hour. And we would get into these long, long conversations and it was so much fun. And he reminded me a lot of me as a student, because there was a particular faculty member that I would do that to as well. <laughs> um, like, no idea what you needed your time for, but <laughs> it's office hours. So, um, yeah. And then he, like, the, I, I could tell how important our conversations were. And I enjoyed them. Um, and they were very useful to me, too. But, like, I also noticed that they woke something up in him. And I, I don't know if it had to always, certainly the content of what we were talking about didn't have to go back to sexual orientation. Um, but a lot of what we talked about had to do with, you know, progressive politics, um, or economics or literature or so like there wasn't any bound, like we, there wasn't anything we couldn't talk about. And I think that was, so important to him. And, um, for me, like, like I'm grateful to, I mean, you know, I suppose that's like, he could be grateful to me if, if he wanted to. (laughs) Um, but like that was important to me too. Again, I think this, I reflection of, um, maybe it's like, maybe it's like a kind of, um, maturing in your own like again I wasn't in a relationship with a woman at the time but I think I probably at that point was very aware that if I wasn't going to offend queer people like I would call myself like I would see myself as queer Mm -hmm. like I didn't necessarily and my relationship with my male partner like um you know we had not gotten married um we had had a ceremony and like I tried to, to make it as inclusive as I possibly could. And some of the not getting married had to do with like patriarchy, mm. but some of it also had to do with like my queer friends couldn't get married and enjoy those benefits. So, you know, I didn't want to be able to have them either. And uh, so, yeah, I think my own identity as a queer person, again, I don't know if we were using that word yet, 2005, like... Maybe it was just starting to to come. I mean, I remember getting called queer on the playground in a bad way <laughs> right? around 2005. So. <laughs> so I don't know if we were using that language yet. But there was some sense that I was not a stereotypical straight person. And, and I think that those conversations with him confirmed that for me as well. Like it gave me a space to be a more queer person, even if it didn't have to do with like who I was dating mm-hmm. or sleeping with or something mm-hmm. like that. Um yeah, and there's other students in Alliance that uh, Tia, uh, Wendy, and Nick, they were kind of this cohort that were really interested in 
like queer theory and um, activism. So we had like, I think they were the first group that probably did the day of silence again. And we did the masking tape over the mouths and sitting outside the union with signs. <laughs> and um, and then Gideon, oh, Gideon. Uh, yeah, and Gideon was um, the first alliance student that i think got to see me falling in love with liz (laughs) i have this one very clear memory of liz and i going up the grand staircase in the union um and like we synchronized our like um like our footsteps as we went kind Mm -hmm. of thing and like we were laughing at ourselves doing this and i remember seeing out of the corner of my eye gideon like over by the Gandhi King Center, just like, I don't know, he was just like beaming. He was, <laughs> I think, so happy to see like queer faculty out like in that kind of public space. Um, and we were just probably six months into our relationship or something like that. So um, it's not like we were like, uh, like everybody knew us together kind of thing. But I think Gideon was like this kind of like, wink, wink, (laughs) wink. I know what's going on here. I can see it happening. Um, and then to, you know, to share that with students and, um, it was really a sweet experience as well. Uh, yeah. What about, um, authors for you or musicians or, organizations yeah I don't know like I think it's so weird because I feel like I'm so into like living up a lesbian identity that you'd (laughs) think that I would have so many more things that come to mind for me but I don't know I mean it's really important like um Gosh, it's all these like musicians' names that I read on Spotify that I never oh, say right. out loud, so and now like you now I'm like nervous them. that it's like it's like oh my gosh, her name is like Haley, starts with a K, her last name. <laughs> but I don't know, you know, it's like it's it seems like so simple, but something that I really appreciate, especially in the age of like TikTok, where these there these there's creators who are not only like making music, but who will release like another song and just change the pronouns in it Mm. so that you can pick like which one that you want to listen to which like I think is really (laughs) awesome you know so it's like uh, I don't know I think that's really sweet and yeah I mean I don't know I don't know about you but like when I hear a song and it's a woman singing and then she uses like in I don't know some sort of like heartache or or like love song or something like that but then she like you know uses she pronouns it's like I noticed that yeah yeah and I and like I really value that yeah and so it's like those are things that I notice but I don't know just like shaping wise I mean honestly I think I guess like social media is really shaping for me you know it's just like uh, there's sort of like a rallying around mm. like queer identity and so like I follow a lot of like queer and trans like creators on like TikTok and Twitter and whatnot and I don't yeah, know. I suppose in some way we don't always even know the n- names of yeah people anymore. You put them into your feed and then it it kind of becomes your background or your environment, but yeah. it's not how you could like point at them and say yes. like, I read all your books, Mary Daly or <laughs> Starhawk or, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like that. And so it's just like, but I think what's so interesting is that like what, what's funny to me is that especially as, as you sort of like identify with your, with your queer self, your, you're sort of really as you sort of come out to yourself and those around you you sort of like get really excited to be a part of the queer community mm-hmm. and so it's like you really want to make it sort of like an in thing or like um I don't know like oh my gosh that was like so gay of you or like that was such like a <laughs> like a dyke thing for you to do or something but you know it's just like so I don't know so I like I got really behind that movement and so I just I don't know so I do that a lot I you know I don't know I call you guys out for having a Subaru <laughs> being vegetarian <laughs> having your hair short and it's blue <laughs> no but so it's like things like that that make me feel I don't know like really part of my identity and things but yeah, I don't know. I guess that's sort of like my main shaping force. 
Yeah, and something that I'm I'm starting to think about based on the, the fact that it can be hard to recall particular people um, is that maybe once you're out to yourself, I'm not just talking about you, Willow, but a person is out to themselves, yeah. then it's less about like looking outside and it's more about just participating in, mm-hmm. you know, the community. Yeah. And so then you're not necessarily... Um, I don't know. You're not tracking. Well, but, but you are and you aren't, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you're not tracking for exceptions that you can kind of hold on to. You're more tracking for like, okay, who's, who's my people. Mm-hmm. And that's this more broad, expansive sense of support as opposed to like, uh, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I'm okay. So I have to find somebody who's just like me, whose name is even Allison, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like to make sure that it's okay to be me. Um, so yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's something else that's coming out of this conversation for me. Um, how about pride for you? The actual pride has that played we only have, a, we have like five minutes left, four minutes left, but like, did pride ever play a, a role for you or does it? Yes. I went to pride for the first time in 2015. Yeah. I think it was 2015. And so like that's when gay marriage was legalized mm. that, that month. And, um, like that was the first time I was going somewhere and like being out and I was going with a friend of mine who was also out and, you know, so that was really important for me. I don't know. I think I always think about pride as like something that's really important when you first realize that you're gay yeah. and you go there for the first time. And then after that, you're like, oh, look at all these straight people wearing right. rainbows, which is like, thank you. But also like the fact that there's so many people crowding these streets makes me not want to go. But I don't know. What was it like for you? Yeah, I didn't go until I think it must have been uh, birthdays. <laughs> I feel like it was a special birthday. Maybe it just fell on my birthday. Oh, that and makes sense. Liz's um, good friend Bridget was like, "We're going to Pride," and we actually did the Dyke March the day before, which is I don't know um, if like Pride is Carnival, then Dyke March is like hometown festival or something nice. like that like it doesn't have the commercial appeal which was also what was great about it um and it, and it was definitely more ragtag ragtag kind of uh, march that we were on i think in retrospect i really appreciate it more than pride like pride for me that this and we're talking about chicago is that what you were talking yes. about too oh, so, yeah. i mean like mm-hmm. so big city right yeah. like i can imagine this being different in smaller cities um but it was packed. It was hot. Um, you know, I have to wear compression socks because I have really bad varicose veins. And so, like, I was uncomfortable. Um, and then there were just a lot of straight people that were just drinking. So many straight people drinking. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And I was like, this is pride. So I, I don't know that my first experience of public pride parade was, um, like, kind of what you know, like first time goers, like would really hope to experience, but, um, you know, being there with, uh, Liz and Bridget and of course watching all the people on the floats, um, just the audacity, Mm -hmm. I think, um, was really empowering, even if there was a lot of commercialism to look past as well as like, people just using it as an opportunity to be drunk during the day mm-hmm. and wear rainbow tutus. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I think it plays, it can play such a, an important role for people. So I hope that, you know, cities figure out kind of how to do it in ways that continue to empower mm-hmm. the community. All right. Um, before we head out today, we just uh, encourage you to check out WVLP's full schedule at WVLP.org. And we highly recommend Morning Black, which is live every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. and Thursdays at 2 and Fridays at 9. And they focus on um, their conversations on 
um, the problem of institutional racism and the way that black communities in America can empower themselves. So um, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are also open for business at their locations downtown on Lincoln Way, and you can visit their websites to learn more. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marachna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. You can find us online at Welcome project.velpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts and if you'd like to support wvlp and our show you can make a donation by going to wvlp.org support